along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the clue it's I see the computer though it does uh all right get get Steven here so if, let him go if I can't oh he's in the UK so it can't be him I mean it can't be both of us hello Yeah. All right, Hello. so we finally made it. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, gatekeeping around the unknown, unexplained, and the unbelievable, New England's own Van Helsick, and Skypes is being unbelievable, evidently. And with me, all the way across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon, St. David, yaddy yaddy, the gold standard, yaddy yaddy, Steve Parsons. <laughs> Yada yada. I can't yeah. believe Skype's playing up again. Yeah, it is. And also, uh, I guess with you is the teller of Curious Tales. Is that true? No. No? I, no. No. Oh. Dylan, Dylan has had to go off and earn a living. Oh, uh, that's a shame for some people. So anyways... Uh, I guess Skype's not the only thing that's not working. <laughs> so also with us... I mean, like is, you and me. <laughs> yeah. Is, is who's our guest, Steve? Since I'm uh, sure we have that now. I can't tell anymore. <laughs> hey, uh, we have an excellent guest tonight. We were asked uh, several weeks ago um, if we could have some representation from the ghost hunting organizations that people were interested in, namely the Society for Psychical Research, the Ghost Club, and the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. So I thought I I was recently um, presenting a uh, live podcast with my good friend CJ Roma, who's a committee member of ASAP, and probably the man with the most encyclopedic and enviable knowledge of ghosts and hauntings that I know. Um, so I twisted his arm up his back and invited him to be our guest tonight. And he bravely accepted. So good evening, Chris. Chris? Hi there. Can you hear me? Yeah, loud Hello. and clear. Oh, amazing. Excellent. Skype's been playing up horrendously, and I wasn't sure that I could hear you. You could hear me at all, so... Oh, you're loud and clear. I hope you heard the intro. I so, just came so, in, so... so Hi, Rob. So when you say committee member, member uh, CJ, uh, what, what exactly is that? No one's not familiar with the SPR as far as their organization. Oh, ASAP. ASAP. Oh, ASAP. ASAP. I don't know. They're all the same. Nah, they're all much the same anyway. Bunch of letters. Bunch of letters. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember that squabble. <laughs> we bought them all and rearranged the alphabet. No, at the SPR was founded in 1888, and they're the hardcore, respectable, academic gatekeepers of orthodoxy. You know, to get published in the SPR journal is a major achievement, whereas the ASAP journal, I'm afraid I edit it, and it's it's far more dubious. Uh, we, we publish anything. So, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I jest. But ASAP was only founded in 1981, and the difference is the SPR is very much the preserve of parapsychologists, and ASAP is slightly more the preserve of ghost hunters. Is that fair, Steve? Uh, I think so. I think ASAP is a, has a broader representation, um, but you're absolutely right. The SPR is, has been, become very much the preserve of parapsychologists. Um, it didn't used to be, mm-hmm. but so, parapsychologists have taken over the asylum somewhat. So <laughs> the, the SP, what, uh, forget it, whatever. Uh, CJ, so what exactly, I mean, do you only, uh, you know, paranormal is a, is a broad field. A lot of people just, you know, like to throw it around with ghost hunting. and, and uh, uh, But it's it's much broader than that, you know, includes cryptoids and UFOs and everything else. I, do you guys at all look into that? Is that part of your organization or are you strictly is, ghost hunting? It, absolutely brilliant question because that's exactly what differentiates ASAP largely from the SPR. The Society for Psychical Research is basically interested in mediumship, survival of bodily death, ESP, telepathy, and parapsychological phenomena. So they're very... But they do look at ghosts and hauntings and poltergeists. But yeah, then it's it's right at the back. a lot of it is more to do with experiments with people putting ping-pong balls on their eyes and guessing cards, yeah, you know, that kind true. of classic ESP thing. However, ASAP was founded by a bunch of heretics who wanted to go out and hunt ghosts. <laughs> And so ASAP was the young, you know, raucous kickoff from the Society for Psychical Research. The difference could be done in really in two English accents. The Society for Psychical Research, one might say, is the orthodox establishment of the ghost hunting community. Whereas, you know what I mean? Well, me and my mate, we were down the Abbey last night when we saw this audit figure come. So we joined ASAP. There's the difference in two British accents. If you if you know the difference in the English class system, you'll get my joke. I say watch Downton Abbey, you know. I know. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so basically ASAP has got a site. We deal with UFOs, we deal with hauntings, we deal with poltergeists, we deal with cryptids. Though so I was amazed to find the other day somebody telling me about the Bigfoot sightings in Rendlesham Forest near the UFO. And I was thinking, Bigfoot in Suffolk? Wow, that's really weird. But there you go. Huh. So you guys have, you you have Bigfoot too? Did he like swim across the ocean or something? I'm not, not sure how that worked out. Portals, uh, apparently. He comes and goes through portals. Apparently some places... Oh, okay. That makes sense. He kind of is able to gate in and out, which right. would be a would be a hyper paranormal bigfoot much more interesting in some ways than just your plain old cryptid in the woods which i tend to believe in unlike most most parapsychologists but steve uh actually i'm i'm intrigued by this term hyper paranormal because it can be such a um a term what why not we just made it up. We are the yeah. gatekeepers of Orthodox. We are ASAP. There, 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 there we are then. Yes, um, in terms of cryptoids in the UK, uh, we, we don't have a shortage of them. Um, you know, we've down here in West Wales. Yeah, I know all about the black dogs and all that stuff. No, 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 no. Bigfoot is... 
we don't have Bigfoot, but we do have uh, regular reports of black cats. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Black seen cats. By, yeah, but these have been whatever. seen by... These have been seen by wildlife rangers, which gives it a slight air of, you know, additional credibility because wildlife ranger is a person that you would expect would have some more, you know, more than a passing knowledge of uh, the wildlife. And um, yeah, like the guy in the red green show, I'm sure. Huh? There's also, <laughs> but seriously, there's also the grey man of Ben McDwee up in the uh, Scotland. Yeah. Is it Ben McDwee or Ben McDwee? I don't know how you say it. And also in Snowdonia, there have been accounts of hairy men over the deca- over the last few decades. That's probably Steve. Seventy I thought the grey man of Ben McDwee was uh, wasn't that explained by a light uh, shining through the cloud from behind it's, the view. Yeah, stuff. it's a. It's suggested that it's caused by a, by a shadow being cast onto low clouds, so the climate shadow. It was explained that way in 1976 in the oh, 1978 in the Usborne Book of the Paranormal that was aimed at children of about aged about eight to ten, mm. and ever since that has been the orthodox explanation. But whether or not it's the case, I don't know because I'm always. You know me, I'm intensely sceptical of sceptical explanations, because until I've actually tested them, I'm never convinced they actually work. Well, I I remember you taking on and pointing out that there's no such effect as the ideomotor effect. Well, there's nothing in physiology or medicine until not until the last decade. They've only brought the term into... The term comes in through being used by medical people who are familiar with the sceptical literature. A parapsychologist. Yeah, well, I mean, there was no phrase. It was invented by parapsychologists to explain something, but it is just a placeholder. It has no place in in, in, in physiology. In fact, when we talk about the ideometry effect in, in, in neurology, we're actually talking about a completely unrelated topic um, to do with, uh, what do you call it, presopiation, uh, presopiation, how your body, how your limbs know where they are. It's yeah. part of the brain connected with that. But it's nothing to do with the ideometry effect that we're talking about in parapsychology. So, yeah, a lot of the time they come up with sceptical stuff that sounds good, but it's just a placeholder. Yeah, but that's, like, that's, that's what irritates me, though. What irritates me is that, you know, they come up with these theories, and, and uh, for, for instance, and that is just, that's what it is. You know, that is the truth, and everything else is, is not. So you don't even get a chance to explain yourself or even look into it because, oh, that could be explained because of this particular reason that particular reason. And it's just accepted. I mean, Steve does that all the time. and just, you know, he comes up with all kinds of stuff. Today. You could you could explain that process, though, in three words. In the 1880s, we were ghost hunters. By the 1920s, we were psychical researchers. And by the, by, after 1929, we became parapsychologists. And what's happening there is the same as in antiquarians became archaeologists and then became the new you know forensic archaeologist or physical archaeologist or whatever but basically the process is to become more scientified and that doesn't necessarily mean more scientific it just means that the discipline takes on more and more of the trappings of science and tries to sound more official and one of the ways you do that is you make up big words and use jargon mm-hmm. well we have that very battle going on now on social media there's a, there's a this sort of battle between are you a parasite? Are you a paranormal investigator, or are you a ghost hunter? You know, there's this. Uh, well, I'm a paranormal investigator because to investigate means to look at things in, you know, scientifically and properly, and hunt yeah, yeah, means yeah. to go out with guns and, and shoot things. And... As, as, as mediums would say, are they ghosts or are they spirits? Is a big difference. Yeah. Okay, I'm a ghost hunter because if it was good enough for Harry Price, it's good enough. Spirit hunter, you could be a spirit hunter. Exactly. I think I've seen you in the pub before. You could be a spirit hunter. (laughs) 
but you, you know, earlier in the show, it, do you look at all kinds of theories? It, it, are you open-minded when you hear a theory? You know, because you, know, you brought up a theory at the beginning of the show about Bigfoot in, in the UK about portals and everything else, and that was interesting. And uh, well, anyway, well, can I just interject here, as, yes. as I did last week, and stop you using the bloody word theory? It's only yeah, theory now we're going to argue tested. about what theory means and what a hypothesis yeah. is. Because yeah. the yeah. actual truth well, last, is... Well, last week we agreed to set up a Oh, no, 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 Steve, this is a false distinction. Until <laughs> the 1990s, people used theory and hypothesis completely interchangeably. Yeah. Around about 2000, people started to use the word theory to mean something like the theory of evolution and hypothesis to be a scientific hypothesis. But the distinction has only been practiced by scientists in the last 20 years. Well, I'm trying to educate wrong and we're in 2017 so i'm trying to get i want him to use the word notion okay that's better notion because do that though because throwing this idea of theory gives gives a certain credibility to some you know crazy ideas uh so notion or a fact that it's not really true or factual I'm afraid the notion that big ones are coming in through portals to haunt Great Britain yes. is not. Whether you call it a theory or a notion, it doesn't make it respectable, does it? You can no. dress it up in short trousers, <laughs> you can make it wear a wig, it's still pretty crazy. Wait, it may or may see, not be true, but it is see, certainly yeah. outrageous. See, and I'd want to see quite strong evidence to suggest that was the case before see, I believe it. <laughs> you threw your lifeline and then you whipped it away from him then, Chris. One of the theories of, of Bermuda Triangle is that, that we are actually dealing with black holes. So, you know, Terrible, it's notion. One of the uh, stupid ideas about the Bermuda Triangle was that we're dealing with black holes, which uh, the Earth is evidently is is inundated with black holes. So, uh, and in black holes can be used as stargates uh, or whatever you want to call them in the vernacular or, or whatever. And so, therefore, these Bigfoots that you suggested could be going through these stargates, black holes, uh, portals, or whatever you call, it, and going to England for vacation or whatever. Well, are they going through willingly? I, you know, or are they being taken through by? Just study it, try to find out. We'll never okay, know. Okay, okay, hang on, hang on. What if certain areas are actually not subject to natural law, but for some freaky reason to do with physics, are breaking down in reality? Our reality breaks down there. So peculiar, bizarre, ludicrous things can happen there. Perhaps shaped by the consciousness of the observers who are present. Now that's a completely unfalsifiable, unscientific idea. But it would allow you to have Bigfoots at the same place as UFOs, at the same place as lake monsters, at the same place as green children, and bully rectory down the road. You know, all of those things cluster within 30 miles of each other. Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I mean, if we drew an area anywhere, if we took an area 30 30 miles on either side or 90 miles on either side, as it is, I believe, for the Bermuda Triangle, anywhere in Europe. Europe, I'm sure we could find lots of strange phenomena. That's not yeah, actually. But there are localized uh, triangles, they call them different, you know, East Bridgewater in, in Massachusetts, of course, and uh, Ooh, the Bridgewater yeah. Triangle. And, and so, you know, there are places on Earth where the laws of physics are not the same as other places in, in the country. For instance, there, there are places on Earth where gravity is actually less or greater than other places on Earth. That is true. That is completely scientifically and totally true. Yes, there are places within where my town where gra- where there are gravitational anomalies. 
but gravitational anomalies are something that we we still don't really completely understand gravity, do we? I mean, the strong and weak forces are are difficult, and I'm no physicist, but yeah, gravity does vary. But still, it's quite hard for you've got to admit, to, to accept the idea that in a country as small as Great Britain, where you can't, you know, get drunk without falling over your neighbour's hedge and call, put someone calling the police, that you can't, you can't throw a stick without somebody else's dog finding it and running back with it. It's a tiny country that's completely jam-packed with people, none of whom mind their own business. It's quite hard to imagine that Bigfoot could live here unless he lived somewhere like... Well, we didn't say he lived here, did we? No, no, that's true. We never said that, did we? No, he could appear... He just goes for vacation. Yeah, wonder why he would come for a gate to Suffolk. Oh, maybe a date! We never even thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) Sex lives are big fun. So, okay, so could there be portals to another reality which which things invade our reality? Is that what you're suggesting? Evidently. (laughs) Bad idea, is it? Notion. 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 Thought. (laughs) There you go you, you, you actually gave that to me. You know, I give you credit. See, I, I don't want to hodge credit because you gave me that at the beginning of the show. You you came up with that, and it made perfectly sense to uh, me as a not a theory, but a notion. Well, at least there is a book not good, not a good one either. Ideas into this. Not a good one either. But that's besides the point. Notion still a notion. Ron, there's a book by Dr. Peter McHugh, who's an English academic, um, called Zones of Strangeness. Have you ever seen it? No, I have not. It's it's very good, apparently. I haven't read it. it, No, in a book, one nor will Ron. If it's a book, he doesn't read them. Ah, have you read it, Steve? I'm sitting here in front of over 100, no, 300. Yes, I I have read it. Yes, I have two books. But you've never read a single one. Not completely, but that's besides... I get what I want from him. Yeah, the kudos of owning them. <laughs> what cleaning now? them and dusting them. And... You're just jealous. You're just jealous. You don't have an right. office. I have. It's a lot bigger than yours, too. Yes, your office is a lot bigger than mine, but mine's yeah. got more in it. Yeah, more in it is right. Anyways, let's talk to CJ. Uh, so, so, how do you take... I mean, wait a minute. Do you guys actually investigate cases, or, or is it just like... Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, we actually yeah, if people, yeah, sure. It's like we have. If, if we if have, people to. actually phone us up and say, "Can you come and investigate our haunting?" Then what we do is we, we've got a bunch of people who've trained and who, are, you know, have trained in ethics and trained have trained in scientific methodology, and we call them up and say, "Can you go over and talk to these people?" And they go over and then they fill in a case report and file it. That's how it works. But I mean, the funny, the, the controversial bit about ASAP is that. It so tries to be a squad. You call in, right? Yeah. Well, ASAP, ASAP tries to be a gatekeeper. It tries to set standards for the paranormal world. Ah, okay. And every few years, somebody comes along and says, "We're going to have paranormal unity, or we're going to have paranormal standards agency, or <clears throat> we're going to police the paranormal." And that idea is one that is always doomed to fail. And I'm not even sure it's a good idea in the first place. It didn't stop ASAP trying, though, a few years ago, did it? Well, no, before I joined the committee, we we had we created a standard of some nature yeah. that I'm still that I that I think is a good idea. I think you know I, it is a good idea to have a basic agreement on ethics, etc. But I, that's what I'm saying. That's why ASAP is controversial. I think the Queen should should uh, put a standard down for the paranormal. <laughs> Well, ASAF is recognised by tax code, at least, by the UK government as a learned society. So there you go. 
the, the British government recognised them as a learned society. Does that mean educational, or, or is that just a fancy word? Yeah, they're, they're an educational group, so they got a, they've got a .ac.uk, the same as the university. They get they get to use the official uh, website, and they get they get educational status for tax reasons and so forth. Okay, so how is Steve Parson associated with this group? He's not. Oh, well, basically, we, we spend a lot of time trying to exorcise him. I mean, he manifests repeatedly at conferences, but despite the chanting and despite the pentagrams, he will not leave. And we shout, come, come not in. No, Steve's been a member for how long, Steve? I'm not a member. You were at some point in ah, the 90s. Ah, yeah. When, when, no, I was a member for a very long time. Um, and a great supporter and advocate of ASAP until they changed their training policy. And the accreditation policy, at which point mm. I failed to uh, accredit. And, uh, you, at that you point, could pass I, the test, right? The muster? Is that what I, it was? I, apparently not, uh, because you had to do this thing every every year, and I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to pass it every year. And, what? Um, do you? Yeah, I'm the secretary, and I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> you had to. Well, uh, they investigate it. You only do it I, once. I've done it, and then um, when, the, when the chair changed, um, it was brought in as a, you have to uh, do it annually, and at which point we stopped doing it. Well, we'll okay, that. I'm going to raise this at the committee meeting tomorrow night, because I idea. actually didn't know that was the case, Steve, and I have never done it. That's I am completely untrained, okay? That, that's why I, believe I, that. I believe that, CJ. I used to yes. have... <laughs> uh, my, accredi- my, my accreditation card, and uh, I mean, I still, you know, as you say, I still, I'm still a strong supporter of, of ASAP and what they do and what they stand for. Um, I don't agree with everything, but then I don't agree with anything uh, the SPR either. Um, but so, yeah, in my America, is non-existent. What what happens in America, Ron? Do you have any kind of accreditation or? Oh, sure, we do. We have uh, yes, we have. Um, what do you call it? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. That's how you become a ghost hunter is you get on Facebook get it with a name and start, Don't putting you need up, to... start putting up signs and, I mean, little sounds and, and pictures with red circles on it. And, That's the same, the same as over here. Yeah, and, and then yeah, you're but you also, Don't forget, you also need to have puffer jackets or black T-shirts with your group name stenciled on. <laughs> we used yeah. to have those. CPRG, somebody bought us some. They were great. And we would all stand around in black looking moody because, of course, that's the best thing to do when you're creeping like around them. in the dark. Yeah. yeah. That was, we, we had polo shirts. And, oh, we still have polo shirts. I love my polo shirt. So I, I've always <laughs> said if any member of Parascience turns up wearing any form of badge, logo, or uniform bearing the name of Parascience, they're immediately not a member. Oh, yeah, you gave me a pen from Parascience. So, ha! Ah, pens are different. Oh, come on now. Come on, Steve. You're missing an opportunity here. Steve's black shirts. I'm definitely glad I'm missing that opportunity. No, it's just, we never, I I don't think you need a uniform to be able to investigate a case. Actually, there is, I'm going to make an offer, there's a really good reason to have one. Well, we we do have a uh, clothing policy in terms of uh, high vis because, as you said before, you're in the dark yeah. somet- sometimes, mm-hmm. out of necessity. You need to be able to find one another. But this was actually born on an investigation, an outdoor investigation where there was no light. And one one team member many many years ago uh, strayed in front of a camera, but they hadn't made a note that of the you know, uh, relocation. Goodness and it took, gracious. 
it took a number of hours to figure out what was ha- what happened on the video. And so after that, we resorted to, you will all wear high-vis jackets thereafter. On the basis that, A, he would have been quicker to spot, and B, we didn't know of a documented case of a ghost wearing a high-vis jacket. What happens, though, when you turn up at someone's house? What's the first question they ask you? Uh, normally, how many sugars? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're, but you're luckier than me. Normally, when I knock on somebody's door, they say, are you the Ghostbuster? And I say... I've come about your haunting, yes, and groan. And they say, where's your equipment? And I say, Do you know it's, what? On, a, it's on another case. No, seriously, yesterday, uh, yeah. myself and a member, Dylan, member of Parascience, were yeah. uh, called out to uh, visit a case, location. Um, and the homeowner expressed somewhat surprise at the, lack of, yeah, at the lack of equipment. They always express a surprise <laughs> at the lack of equipment. Where's your equipment? Is what? Do they ask you that, yeah. Rob? Uh, no, because I always bring a lot of shit. Oh, well, that's okay. If you've got a complete van full of stuff, that's great. Uh, yeah, I just, we just bring all kinds of crap in, even if we don't use it. That's what we ended up doing. We built the condom. Yeah. It was a Pringles tin, which is a kind of biscuity, kind of crispy kind of yeah. thing. And it had a sensor in it, so when you when anyone moved towards it, the electrical field changed like a theremin, and it set off a high-pitched kind of... And if you pushed your hand over it, it would make different noises. And it had a few flashing lights and, uh, connected to it. And all it did made, Yeah, it just made random noises and flash lights, but they sit and watch it for hours. And because it made noises and flashed, it kept them busy while we wanted around Drew maps and were really boring and did the stuff that needed to be done. You've got lots of them in your ghost kit, Ron. I do? Yeah, they're called Ghost Meter Pros. Oh, those are good. <laughs> no. the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. It is? Are you saying they yeah. don't work, Steve? Uh, but they detect, they detect ancient ghosts. So ancient, they can tell the between. That's right. Ancient ghosts and uh, recent ghosts. Oh, that's, that's right. very cool. It says yeah. so on the instruction sheet. Wow. He, he stole one of mine last time he was over here. Now I'm, I'm a short one, but that's all right. I tried to record for my girlfriend. She's got a PhD in ghosts, but she's still interested in this kind of dreadful wait, TV wait, show. What, 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 what was that? A PhD in what? Oh, ghosts. She did a PhD in apparitional experience at the University of Derby in Coventry. But anyway, yeah, she, she, did, she recreated on a small scale the Society for Psychical Research's 1894 Census of Hallucinations, which was the first major scientific study of hauntings. And then she compared the Victorian ghost experience with the modern ghost experience and found out that they were fundamentally the same. So if you run the figures and do, and do statistical tests, there is no difference between what the Victorians were experiencing and what we're experiencing, which you would expect that them to be very different because of the influence of movies, TV, cultural changes. You would expect the experiences to have shifted in line with culture. But in reality, the actual first-hand experiences that people report when you interview them are statistically exactly the same now as they were in 1894. So statistically, were... statistically, we have to take a break right now. So ah, uh, break. Okay. Anyway, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with... Uh, Steve Parson, of course, the gold standard ghost hunting, and C.J. Romer, uh, a chair, chairperson of the ASC, something or other, I don't know. Membership secretary. Yeah, whatever. And, of no, course, no. most humble Ron Kolek. We'll be right back after the following messages right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio.
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. the music rapidly faded out um hopefully ron's rushed back to the radio i'm here after putting his lunch in the oven my microwave. milk milk microwave. for my tea Put yeah. My milk. Yeah, my yeah. Tea. anyway uh, that's dull stuff let's get back to our very interesting guest the venerable cj roma the membership secretary uh, oh, i am not the membership secretary that's <laughs> i'm the secretary there's not much right. difference really i get to file my nails and paint them and yeah, the, head ty- the head typist uh, the, the one who yeah, takes dictation right, yeah. 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 the old stereotype yeah. shall we do you uh, take a, dictation wait a minute <laughs> on a serious note I, I you mentioned something before the break and um I, I, I really envy you guys because, as far as I know, we don't have. Because we do it properly. Oh, shut up! Anyways, as far as I, as far as and this may be the reason why we, you guys do it properly, according to you, is that uh, we have no academic institutions around here that offer any of Au those. Contraire. Au contraire. Au contraire, Capitan. Go ahead. I you knew you were going to correct me. You always do. Do. Yes. If you're going to tell me the rhyme, I'm going to. Well, apart from no, the- any any university, any American university that's accredited to teach at doctoral level, i.e. to do research degrees, can allow anybody. If you've got a psychology department, that's where Becky did her PhD in parapsychology. She did it through an ordinary psychology department. Oh, you simply have to be making an original contribution because it has to be an original piece of research that has never been done before or that is adding something new to the sum of human knowledge. PhDs, doctorates by their definitions, aren't taught, and therefore you can study this subject anywhere in the U.S. And the U.S. has got some wonderful academic things. The reason people don't is because the funding is almost impossible to get hold of, I believe, across 
the world because people just assume you're a nutcase when you say, I want to look at ghosts. So she said, I want to look at the psychology and neurology of the apparitional experience. And having no idea what that meant, they gave her funding. <laughs> but I was actually refer. I was actually when when I when I contrared Ron CJ. Yes. I was actually referring to the fact that the existence of still just about the ASPR, the PA, and the PF. So yeah. you have the American Society for Psychical Research, is the Parapsychological Society Wait, Association. Around. Uh, well, the Parapsychological oh, Association and the Parapsychological Foundation are both both very active and both promote very similar range of subject interests, lectures, and topics as the SPR do in the UK. But basically, in the, in, yeah, yeah, the thing is, in America... A, it's not a, wait a minute, that's not a university, that's not... Uh, nor is the SPR. No, it's not. about that? He didn't get, his girlfriend didn't get a degree from the SPR. I mean, a uh, the SPR. Neither did, neither did Lloyd Auerbach. And he's let's, not let's English. sleep Lloyd out of this. We're not talking about the right. But as Uh, Becky would say, hang on, hang on. The first thing that Becky would say is that having a PhD in ghosts doesn't actually mean you know anything. It just means you're a good (laughs) academic. It doesn't actually make you. Now, Steve's doing did his PhD, didn't you? Which you haven't finished yet, but which will one day you will finish. I think you'll never finish. Oh, will one day. He will. He will one day. And the point is, his legals are in his office. He'll never do it. So, despite the fact that he will be Doctor Parsons. He still will be just exactly the same as he is now, which yeah. just goes to prove that you could be all manner of thing and not, and have a PhD. So you know, don't take people with PhD seriously. They don't know more than you or I do, Rob. Cal does. We are no respecters of academia here. Absolutely Come on, Steve. Better. Let's say, for example, I mentioned Dr. Kieran O'Keefe. Yeah. Oh now, yeah, Kieran. Yeah, well, we could take an example. He has a PhD. Is it in musicology or is it in hauntings? I don't know. Uh, it's in clinical psychology. Clinical psychology. So, yeah, there you go. He's got... Oh, for, for, sorry, I, I corrected. Forensic psychology, isn't it? Oh, OK. Cool. Forensic psychology. But, you know, just because you've got a PhD does not make you a superhuman, does it? it doesn't no, make I mean, you any... Cal's, wow. Cal's PhD is actually but, not in PhDs any... now? Cal's uh, PhD is, is related to bereavement counselling. Yeah, right. Anyway, the only interesting bit about my girlfriend's PhD, the reason I mentioned it is because it seemed to demonstrate that the Victorians were having the same experience that people are today. Did she do interviews? Yeah, she did a couple of hundred. Um, and she went and talked to people and she did online surveys and she did. But she collected the data using the same methods roughly as we used in 1894. She just modified them a bit to make them a bit more, a bit easier to process the data. But yeah. Basically, it's the same results as 1894. So why are people seeing the same things as in 1894? A sceptic would normally say, well, people will see ghosts that are shaped by what we see on TV. Mm-hmm. And that isn't what we're finding in the research. We're not, And the things we expect to think, like ghosts walking through walls, which is in every TV movie has a ghost walking through a wall, doesn't it? You know, if there's a ghost in it. But that doesn't actually feature at all in either the Victorian cases or in the modern cases we're seeing. Really? Yeah, it's extremely rare. It's less than 0.2% of both samples oh. was ghosts appearing through walls. Intriguing. I don't know why, but that was what we found on both samples. So it might be different if we did the same research in America. I don't know. But somebody just has been attempting over the last year or so to do something very similar in America. We had cases from America from 
Finland, Sweden, Norway, Japan, Greece. She had it, but she only had enough from England, America, and Canada to do a proper study. And in in each case, there was no real differences in the hauntings between those English-speaking nations. So I, I don't know what that means. Chris, can I can I just ask? Did yeah. uh, whilst there is no uh, no significant difference between the nature of the uh, experiences that are reported. Was yeah. there any? Was did was, did the research look at the attribution of uh, cause? So, for example, I would expect that TV would have li- have an influence because you see in social media an attribution towards demonic, evil, malignant spirits. That's how the a, data is interpreted. As, not as opposed, how no, no, it's the att- it's the attribution, not the experience. The experience might be the same, yeah. but the attribution is different. Yeah, yeah, but who puts the yeah. demon in? Is it the demon or is it the ghost hunter or the or actual client? Well, it doesn't matter. What matters at the moment is the attribution, not who puts the it attribution. In. The attribution is uh, was very difficult to actually deal with because right. well, yes. the way she asked them to fill in the form, the way they did it in 1894, they asked what happened during the experience and then a little bit about emotional reactions afterwards but they didn't ask them to hypothesize about what the, caused the experience, or indeed, even if they thought the experience was genuinely supernatural or not. And uh, as a result of that, she tried to take the data, but it wasn't rich enough to make much dip to, make it, to be able to compare it with 1894. In her study, there was, a, there was a notable mark between Americans who, not most of them, they, everyone followed the spirit hypothesis, but more people mentioned demonic themes in Canada, and secondly, then... Oh, what do they got to do in Canada anyway? So. Uh, there's not much to do in Canada apart yeah, from being yeah, exactly. by demons, it seems. Yeah, but right, Canada okay. and North America, the New England states, had quite a lot of demonic stuff, which was odd because I expected it more in the Midwest. No, no, we get, we get a lake. We like demons around here. Oh, OK. Well, yeah. Connecticut was big for demons, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's like New England, you know, like we're really big into demons, you know. So... This is actually the demon capital of the world. I didn't know, <laughs> know that, but uh, it's I thought that true. was Boston or Salem. Yeah, we we have a we have a portal here from maybe <laughs> maybe the same one of the Bigfoot. Is that, is that sure. where the Bigfoots are entering? That's what I'm trying to find out. Maybe oh, I I've seen this theory. I saw a film about a documentary about it. There was this cheerleader, and there was this kind of portal <laughs> that goes to another reality. I think they called it was it a hell hole or something like that. There was this place called Sunnydale. Do you know yeah. what I mean, Steve? Yes, that's a good. I know the I know the movie, but I don't know if it's a real Sunnydale. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot what they called it. Was it a hellhole or a hell something like that? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, well, let's, this is let's, all let's, let's, stuff. let's ask our man on the ground in New England. Yes. What do you want to know? What, what the Sunnydale? Was it a hellhole or was it something else? Is it a sanitarium? Huh? What? Oh, there might be one actually called that. Yeah, there was actually a Sunnydale Sanitarium, but I thought that was in Ohio. Yeah, that's so a different confused. thing. You guys are confusing me. Yeah, don't worry about it. I was hey, like, yeah. T- talk about paranormal. Can you tell me this if this is true or not? Do you have that white stuff on the ground in, in the UK? Gone now. Not here. What about you in Wales? We we did. Uh, Friday, we were literally snowed in with three foot three three to five foot drifts. Wow. Um, which was quite, I mean, it's not sort of, yeah, paranormal is, is probably a good description because it is a once in a 10 year, once in, you know, 10 year event for the UK to have snow on that scale. Was it fun? 
Uh, it was actually for the boys. You know, my little ones, it was the first time they've really had the opportunity to play in snow and go sledging and do all that cool stuff. And weirdly, by middle of Sunday, it had all gone. Uh, except for the biggest drifts, there's, there's still parts of North Pembrokeshire now that are, you know, we've got road closures and because the drifts were there uh, because of the winds. Uh, up to we get more coming to you, so. We have to really had it just... yeah, How come you county, got five yeah. foot? Well, it was the way it was drifting. I mean, it varied. Uh, fr- it, the drifts were up to between three and five feet here. Further up in the north of the county, they and into South Wales around the Rhondda Valley, they had drifts of ten to fifteen feet. Ah, uh, but hang on. I was talking to to New York last night, and they could outdo us because they were. Uh, I was talking to a chap in New York State, and he said that the coastal area there they had massive waves, raging storms, and that New England was being rocked by a once in ten year storm. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, we get a once in ten year storm every year. <laughs> once a, every year. We get them every year. Well, we, we, get don't get, we don't get snow on that. In fact, my my youngest is uh, four and five sixths, and he hasn't seen snow on the lying snow on the ground. So this year was, you know, that's how unusual it is on the coastal on the west coast of Britain. The east coast does have more snow days than the west coast. Actually, um, we only had a disappointing four inches, which is, uh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. you know, the average, you know, if, if you if it wasn't for the 80 mile an hour winds that were blowing at the same time, the drifts would, you know, the, the level snowfield would probably have not been much more than six, eight inches anyway. So so uh, what did the but, Queen have to say about this? Oh, she was she was ecstatic. She was out sledging in, in Winter Park, Great Park. Oh, okay, good, good. Hang on a with, minute. With, Wrong. with Megan, with Megan. Yes. Snow. February this time, 1855, yeah? Yes. South yep. Devon, we had one of the most famous paranormal mysteries of all time in the UK. Ooh. Shall I tell a ghost story? Yes, please do. Okay, so it was during the night of, I can't remember, it was 26th or 27th. Oh, no, April, eight, the night of the 8th to 9th of February, 1855. So I think your Sherlock Holmes films, think Queen that. Victoria, trains exist, but, you know, technologies. All over the south of England, there was heavy snowfall, and it snowed from about 10 o'clock at night right the way through till the early morning of the next day, but it stopped just before dawn. And when people woke up, uh, all over the south coast, going down the River X, Torquay, Devon, they found these strange footprints of cloven hooves <gasps> in snow. Now, the interesting thing about them was they dropped this. They formed a single line, and they were, you know, horseshoe kind of shaped, but they had the the, the goat-like clove in them, Mm -hmm. a cloven hoof. They covered a distance of between 40 and 100 miles. Um, We don't know exactly how far. We know that they were at one end and at the other, so it was over 100 miles from one end to the other. Right. And they measured four inches long. They were about three inches um, wide, and they were about 16 inches apart. So it looked like somebody with cloven hooves had gone out in the snow, a goat-like foot, a goat-footed person had gone out in the snow and had run across 100 miles that morning. Uh-huh. And the interesting bit was they went straight over the roofs of barns, over houses. This wasn't Christmas time, was it? It's just after February, but uh, it became uh, known I, I don't as... Know. I the devil's maybe Santa Claus got lost or something. <laughs> but one of the theories at the time was that a hot air balloon had escaped and that there was some kind of anchor on a hot air balloon that had dragged through the snow for a hundred oh, miles. Cool. Yeah. 
yeah. in a straight line, but it just didn't work because they were every 16 inches. So why would it bounce, you know, right. as if it was footprints? So it looked like some joker had dressed up as the devil and had run 100 miles in the snow for a laugh. But I don't know about yeah. you or me. That's How probable is that? It's less probable than the devil himself turning up. Yeah, I think the, so. The case is known as the devil's footprint. So, Steve, have you heard of it? Oh, I know it well, doesn't everybody? I mean, it's one of our... It's Wait a minute, I didn't know about it. Of, it's one of the classics of 14 storytelling. Uh, and it's actually know, true. I mean, the newspaper... It, 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 is, it is true, and it is reported, but, as you pointed out... The the it's it's conjectured length, and oh, you have you have reports along the line of footprints. Saying, it, you know, no, you have you have. I'm not pooing it at all. I'm just saying that it isn't a continuous line because nobody actually went from one end to the other and viewed every, you know the the entire length of them. You have reports along the line, uh, with you know with with gaps in between the reports, but there was a c- tremendous consistency. In the in the size of the the prints and the distance between the prints, which suggests a commonality of cause. So a creature ran for a hundred miles that night through the snow. Maybe well, a, a, some, a something. Many creatures. Well, I'd prefer to say a something went uh, a considerable distance. So it was a hundred miles, leaving right. distinct impressions in the snow. It left distinct impressions of footprints. If you just Google, if you have Google yeah, to hand devil's footprints. footprints you will be able to find pictures of them and see what they looked like in there was, the snow. There was, there was one suggestion put forward that it was done by, with, uh, by some people using a wheeled device mm. with uh, the horseshoes imprinted into the wheel itself. It's, you would have, to live, you'd have a track. It would have to be a wheel that was quite wide and not it's, leave yeah. any impression on the soft snow in between. And yeah. So no you have to have a spoke yeah, that's, wheel. That's why, yeah. along with the balloon idea and along with other ideas of people stamping it out with wood, uh, it would have required a great deal of planning. Um, if they, knew, if they knew they were going to get snow that day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you would have had to avoid, I mean, you couldn't do that sort of organisation today uh, to get groups of people along a route to you know to uh, carry out this it's not, like, it's we, not like making a crop circle yeah no it's it's incredibly arduous i mean one, one year maybe we should get ass out to try it we'd have to have a plan like you know go snow 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 and all run out and start but we'd have to first of all agree what our footprints were going to look yeah. like we'd have to make them we'd have to have a meeting to com- make sure they were standardized and then we'd have to make sure that when it started snowing we had people every 10 miles all the way along the line and it was an not organizational to to, yeah. nightmare not to go out too soon because if you went out and stamped your footprints too soon of course it would snow and fill them up again so as you say it it, it is a real anomaly and it's something and wouldn't, that, it, wouldn't there be shoe prints going towards it or, or something going towards it we're talking about straight lines well, so how do they got, get from point a uh, well, we don't have that in the newspaper reports what all we have in the newspaper reports is the lurid typical newspaper reports of the footprints themselves uh-huh. and the fact that they are you know they 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 were reported at various locations along this this route um, there were also some later reports that came in that extended the line, which is why you've got this this uh, problem between forty and um, and hundred miles, because there were some some people who came several days later, and there may have been a copycat element going on in the later reports. 
um, or, or simply mis, uh, you know, a mistaken uh, notion that what they were seeing was the same as they had already read in the newspaper a day or two right, previously. Could have been, well, for real. they suggested 1855, they suggested hopping wood mice, that the wood mice were hopping <laughs> through the train. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And Mike Dash from the 14 Times actually said, yeah, it's probably hopping wood mice. I don't know about you, but kamikaze wood mice charging across the I, country. I right? like the idea of gruffalo. A gruffalo. A gruffalo. What? A gruffalo. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's that, there was that. There was that excellent documentary producer. That was a gruffalo. Well, there was that excellent documentary producer it's, uh, about the gruffalo. Uh, the gruffalo is a kind of fictional. Was it a Disney <laughs> film or something? I don't know. Uh, no, it was. Wasn't it? Um, oh, it's a. You know what? What we've got a house full of gruffalo uh, memorabilia. Well, can, it's a children's. It's a children's monster. But the, but the gruffalo. The oh. gruffalo's child only came out after the snowstorm, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, it is much yeah. like Shrek, basically. So yeah. let me let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you. You did in in your your girlfriend's research. You, she talked about demons being more prevalent in the United States, especially well, New England. Interpretation of, of yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. However you interpret it, whatever. But anyways, how come uh, we seem to have all through uh, English or uh, UK or whatever you are? Um, you have the devil himself in so many uh, reports of uh, paranormal activity. And you don't seem to have these little, uh, you know, minions. You have the the big man himself over there. Why do you think that is versus, you know, we just... He's always been very busy in moving churches. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean, especially churches. I mean, he, he uh, there's a reason for this. The medieval mind was obsessed with damnation, death, and the afterlife. And... Uh-huh. The building of churches in the Middle Ages was a testament to our faith, which was our, our great age of church going and religiosity when we were actually pious and went to church happened around about 1300 here. And from then on, it was all downhill. Nowadays, we're a nation of heathens. But in the past, now, because we've got a really long history, a lot of our folklore dates back to the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s. And those legends featuring the devil tend to be the older ones. Okay. It makes sense. So basically, that's why. I was just yeah. trying to see if I could find. I've got this really weird Ouija board that's twenty by twenty. Ooh. Uh, it's in the back of Ghostology. I think it's meant to be a Ouija board. It's like a little micro Ouija board <laughs> on the back page on two eighty, and I'm just looking for the word "devil" in it to see if I can find it. <laughs> it's it's actually a word search. Come on, see. it's a word search. Oh, I thought you had done something. You gave me. Hey, some... wait. Yeah, I've just I've just um, I've just been uh, just started work on Paravision, and um, yeah, we. we it's going to have something in the back of it. In fact, the reason that it has a word search, I actually think, is down to CJ because I think he didn't you make the suggestion about include a cutout EMF meter? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we in the first in our magazine, the Cipher, which was the one published by the Cheltenham Psychic Research Group back in the nineties. Every issue had a word search because we'd always have a certain amount of space left after layout when Nikki right. had finished the layout that was blank, and we never had anyone who wanted to advertise, so she would invent a word search to fill up that space. Excellent. So word searches became a very important part right. of British cultural ghost hunting. Yep. And unfortunately, and, and of course, something to do on those long night, those long tedious nights when you're stuck right. at the end of a dark corridor. Right. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Steve's book is banned in the UK because of his obscure pictures that he published in them. <laughs> you're the only person that's ever suggested that. Well, is it or isn't it? No, it Which isn't. Which page is it? <laughs> 
Everybody that sees it. it everybody? Everybody. Everybody. Look in the thermal imaging pictures, CJ. Ron, I mean, I think that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. like somebody's knees and their... Um, yeah. Yeah, right, CJ? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a picture of... of uh, yeah, I'm it? sure it was. Explain it away. That's fine. Whatever. But, uh, Will it be accept your... Uh, what is it? What is that picture on page? It's on page two five two of Ghostology for those who pay attention. It's going to go off the shelves now. It's going to go flying off the shelves. Yeah, as I'm trying to explain, it started life as a color image, but the but the publisher said that we couldn't use color in the end. Uh, In the the color the color original, and in fact the high resolution black and white original uh, contains greater definition. And what you can actually see it is it's an athlete uh, who's just uh, been sure. Yeah, but only one person has ever come forward and said. So I, I should really submit it to uh, that upskirting Facebook page. I I just opened the book uh, and there it was. Uh, you gave it to me. I was no, like, oh I, God, I can't. In, it was in, it was included as a, an excellent example of pareidolia. It just got in the wrong section. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pareidolia, my foot. Anyways, ah, uh, pareidolia, my favourite pareidolia story. We've got nine minutes left, haven't we? Let's tell us pareidolia story. I love so pareidolia. Do you know the famous story of the ghost girl of Wem? No. So up in Shropshire, there's a town called Wem, and there they've had two famous hauntings. One of them in the 1880s was investigated by the Society for Psychical Research, who sent Frank Podmore, their investigator there. And when he turned up, he went in and he said, he interviewed the mother who said that the baby kept catching fire. And it was always while Jane, the maidservant, was holding the baby. And, uh, Often, after the baby caught fire, there was a strong smell of diesel. So, a few moments later, Jane was walking around outside the farmhouse when my favourite line in all of psychical research is in, this, is, is, is in the Proceedings of the Society for Psychical Research, where Podmore said, the mother started up and shouted, no, don't wave the, wave the baby around when it catches fire. Crush it out, crush it out, girl. How many times do I have to tell you, crush it out? <laughs> it's just such a black and horrific vision. I keep laughing. Anyway, Podmore anyway. strode over, turned out the girl's pockets, and discovered that she had a canister of diesel and a box of matches. At which point, he suggested they hired a different childminder. Uh, <laughs> but it's a genuine story from the 1880s. Horrific, but genuine. Anyway, moving on, another story involving fires from the same very small town. Um, Right about 1990, the town hall burnt down and everybody gathered outside because there's not a lot to do in Wemmin on a Saturday night, one assumes. Yeah. And uh, as it was, the whole building collapsed. Now, there'd been a fire there in the 1660s and the town hall had been built after that fire. And one of the photographs showed quite clearly a girl in a white dress with a white mob cap upon her head uh, standing in the doorway and staring out and they said it was the unfortunate girl the ghost of the unfortunate girl had started the 17th century fire that burnt the town down and that she'd reappeared in the fire and this photo if you type ghost girl of web you can find it on the internet it's all over i've just put a link onto our ghost chronicles international facebook page while you were telling the story um Ah. i put the link to the the uh, pensioner who solved the mystery yeah, well, what happened was they then 
ASAP amongst others, uh, a large number of skeptics carried out investigations, and ASAP did one of the best. And we decided it was a perfect example of pareidolia, that this was an image. And a rigorous examination by skeptics demonstrated that the ghost girl image was in fact created by a burning frame, a burning timber. And at our training days, people used to show how the ghost girl was caused by nothing more than a fortuitous and on large numbers of skeptics forums for years, it was the go-to example of pareidolia. It was on Wikipedia, it was on all of the skeptical pages, and it was basically this ghost girl is just caused by burning debris falling. Wow. However, However, time is up. We discovered because, it was wrong. Yeah, because uh, and a pensioner a couple of years ago, um, Brian Lear, age seventy-seven, discovered what had actually happened. Uh, yeah, we, we discussed it on the show right now because we got a ghost. Card. Yes, I know. Anyways, we do have anyway, to go. CJ, so, how can people find us app? Exactly. Should they want to? Well, they should do, but I mean, it's just interesting, I think, that sometimes the sceptical explanations are a load of hooey, isn't it? But anyway, yeah, it's uh, www.asap.ac.uk. And I will say that the SPR and ASAP really are the finest parapsychological and ghost hunting and organisations. What about the ghost cops? great. They're great people. You should join them. You should join us all. There's no favouritism here, but because we're, we're you're welcome in ASAP. Yeah, we're all pretty much in all of them anyway. Yeah, everyone's... The people here in one tend to be in all of them, and to be honest, we're a friendly bunch, and despite my utter cynicism, especially about things like, you know, pareidolia, we have music. it turns out not to be, yeah, mm-hmm. they're all worth joining. Well, okay. You'll get to paranormal unity. We have music. we got to go. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. We want to thank... Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles and Dash yeah. right here on Tojinet and Parax Radio. What? They've gone. No, we haven't. We'll be... The, the audience have. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Good night and God bless. Good night. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.